Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. All right, welcome to episode 80 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here, as always, with Michaela. Michaela, 80 episodes in, we are going back to a classic. But before we jump into that, how are you doing? What have you been up to? Watching anything good? Drinking anything good? Summer is about here. It's time to brush off those summer cocktails, I think. That's right. Um, I have been binging a lot this weekend. Um, It's a long weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend here. And... Stranger Things came out with their fourth season or most of their fourth season. And so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we've been binging that and rewatching some of the old uh, seasons because it's been a couple of years since a new season has come out due to COVID. Yeah, and so three years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. So um, very exciting stuff. I, I cannot get over. Uh, look, listen, ladies, gentlemen, non-binary people of all listen to me. Go watch this show. And the reason why you should go watch the show for nothing else than it's like super creepy and weird and well done. It is a beautiful picture of 1984, right? Like if Mm -hmm. you liked E.T. and you like the look and feel of sweaters and bike rides and your parents not knowing where the heck you were and that being like a total norm. <laughs> yeah, um, it's totally fun. Totally fun. Totally fine. Um, the, I mean, I just can't get over the art direction of this show. It makes me so happy. So yeah, yeah we've been watching it as well. We're uh, almost through uh, this uh, section of Stranger Things 4. I mean, I remember reading that like this season was costing like a hundred million dollars an episode, which seems insane, oh. but then but then watching it, uh, the special effects and the way that it looks and the way that it's shot look incredible. So they were spending every dollar of that uh, to get this thing going. And I have to say that the story is great. Uh, these little kids have grown into quite fine actors and actresses. Uh, so, so good. Um, yeah, I love it. it. It's been great. So I think we're uh, probably going to finish it up here uh, later today, maybe after we finish. Uh, recording and uh, see what we think and we'll have to uh, touch back on it but yeah definitely definitely check out Stranger Things which is of course available on Netflix and that hundred million dollars is why your subscription price just went up so uh, (laughs) check that out but but for now Michaela we need to mix up a drink you know we uh, we talk about you know going back in time to like the 1980s to watch Stranger Things but maybe we're gonna have to go back in time to like 1991 a simpler time when movies were great and fun uh, you know, and, and we're gonna have to get into that. So why don't we take a quick break? We will be back to mix up this week's cocktail and dive into it. This week, we're going straight to the heart of Loxley Manor. And we're going to whip up a beautiful cocktail uh, that comes to us, especially from Loxley Distilling. Okay, mm-hmm, company. Mm-hmm. Um, they are located in Sheffield, England which if you don't know where that is, um, it is north of Nottingham, but it, and it's a, uh, I don't know, it's maybe an hour, hour and a half south east of Manchester uh, and okay. directly south of Leeds. So um, we have to go. Uh, I, I see a trip mm-hmm, in our future mm-hmm. going and checking this place out, Loxley Distilling Company. They do a lot of really beautiful gins and um, they put out, uh, like a gin makers masterclass that you can find on YouTube. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, go check it out. Um, and we're going to be covering one of their martinis called the Marianne's Martini. And mm-hmm. it is delicious and beautiful, I might add. 
Yeah, that's right. It is beautiful. Um, yeah, this uh, Loxley distilling looks pretty cool. It looked like they had some like Robin Hood themed uh, gins, which are pretty neat. They have some gin classes that unfortunately we can't partake in. Uh, we're, I guess we could probably do the class, but we couldn't get the gin uh, here in the U.S. So yeah, we're going to that. We're just going to have to fly over there and follow in the footsteps of a Robin of Loxley and uh, head out, get some gin, and we'll try a Marion's Martini straight from the source. But we had to make our own Marion's Martini, uh, and it was pretty simple to put together. Um, it was, you know, there were there were some steps involved. You had to uh, get your gin just right. You had to go out and find some fancy vermouth, but uh, then it's just an equal parts cocktail. So basically how you're going to put this together is you're going to take this infused gin, um, and, uh, this Mancino Secura Vermouth. Now I couldn't find the Mancino Secura Vermouth, uh, but you did Michaela. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about that? And then I'll address the, uh, gin infusion. So the Mancino Secura Vermouth is just a special vermouth. It's got some floral qualities in it. Um, it's, it's not a red vermouth and it's not a white vermouth. Uh, when I got it, it's, it's kind of a rosé color. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really pretty and it, it's going to lend itself beautifully from a color perspective to the gin because we're infusing gin with hibiscus, pink peppercorns and lemons. So it's going to be a little pink anyway. So it's really beautiful. Um, uh, one thing I really want to do with this gin is try it with just a slice of lemon, kind of like we, um, we do with the sweet vermouth. It's, um, mm-hmm. it's very, very floral and just botanical, it's got this botanical sharpness that's really nice. Um, so it, it is kind of a special vermouth. I think that if you just added sweet or dry vermouth to this, it would not taste the same at all. So, but I think you were able to find a good substitute, right, Brian? Yeah. So, so the the Mancino Secura vermouth. Uh, one of the things that makes it special is they use uh, like Japanese cherry blossoms. So Mancino is an Italian vermouth and then secure obviously is the the japanese influence on there so it's kind of like this mashup of things um and i was not able to find it uh you and i were not able to make these uh, cocktails together this week like we normally do um so i had to use a substitute so what i used uh was the ruby grapefruit uh aperitif from mom and pop which i'd picked up after we did our coda episode because that was one of the ingredients there so i'd ordered that from them it's a it's an aperitif maker out of California. Um, and the botanical mix was, was pretty close. It sounded like, um, you know, very light, uh, very kind of floral, but it had kind of that, that bitterness, uh, mm-hmm. kind of, kind of backbone that you get in a good vermouth. So I thought that that would be pretty close. And I think that it paired up really well with the, uh, gin infusion. So, uh, to talk about that. So they recommend using obviously Loxley distilling is their Navy strength gin, but you could use any Navy strength gin or if you don't have a Navy strength gin and you don't feel like going to uh, out to get one specifically, you could probably just use regular gin, uh, which would be fine. The Navy strength obviously is just a little bit higher proof. Um, but what you're going to do is you're going to infuse that with some pink peppercorn, some hibiscus and some lemon. So I just took a cup of my gin. Um, I put in like a tablespoon ish of pink peppercorns, a little pouch of hibiscus tea and a peel from a lemon, put that into a Mason jar and just let that sit for, I let mine go for like eight hours or so. Um, I think it probably is going to, you know, it'll, the strength will get more intense the longer you let it go, but they're all pretty subtle flavors. The pink peppercorns, you know, aren't particularly strong. They're kind of this like little like citrusy pop. And then obviously you have the, the lemon and the hibiscus, which I don't, I don't ever find hibiscus flavor to be very strong anyway, but mm. it, it also creates this pink uh, color to the gin, which is beautiful. And then that lightly uh, pink vermouth, or in my case, that ruby grapefruit from mom and pop. And 
like I said, equal parts. So you just do, uh, I did an ounce and a half of the gin, ounce and a half of the vermouth into a shaker tin, uh, stirred it with the ice, strained it out into a coupe glass with a big uh, spherical ice ball, which is how they kind of recommend to do it. If you want the Instagram picture and you can uh, check that out certainly on our Instagram and on our websites, but, uh, how'd you, uh, how'd you do yours just into a martini glass or. I did. I, well, I put mine into a coupe glass because I thought it was real fancy. And I also added uh, a couple of my spherical. I have these really beautiful little pearl, pearlesque mm-hmm. spherical, um, ice cubes, uh, to make it real pretty. Um, I did an infusion that was a faster infusion and I actually learned how to do it by watching the YouTube channel that Loxley distilling, uh, put together. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you can use a whipped cream dispenser and you use nitrous oxide to go ahead and kind of infuse everything very quickly. So you don't have to wait because I didn't want to wait to try this, Mm -hmm. um, rather than taking the time. And it turned out really nice. Um, I might've put a little bit too many peppercorns cause it was very peppery, uh, but it was lovely. And so you just put all of those things in your whipped cream kind of maker, you charge it and then you uh, squeeze the air off and then open it back up and you're good to go. But it was a, it's a lighter pink color. I don't think that it's uh, as dark if you're going to do sort of an instant infusion because it does take time to have that color. So mm-hmm. um, we have two pictures out there. I'll send you um, I'll send you mine, Brian. So, but yeah, it's, but then you taste it and it's real good. Yeah, it is real good. It's, it's strange because it is this, this bright and vibrant pink color. Um, and it, you forget almost when you're looking at it that it is a gin martini. So you taste it and it tastes of a gin martini, but it has this super light, uh, floral floweryness to it. It's very delicate tasting. Uh, it's very beautiful. Um, you know, just like Marion's love, a love worth dying for, this could be a martini worth dying for <laughs> Michaela. I don't, wow. I don't know for sure, but I don't know for sure, but this, this was very delicious. It was, it was really good. Um, it was worth the steps to do it. And since I did, um, you know, kind of that cups worth, I have, you know, enough gin to probably do four or five cocktails worth maybe, um, you know, and you, you did the kind of the, the speedier, quicker way. So, I mean, you could do, you could do that, uh, again, to yeah, no, I did up, a, and I now did you couple, have, I did yeah, a cups have, worth. So I'm making lot, I'm making this all week bad, dude. I make it cause it's so good. It, <laughs> it, it, it is really good. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, definitely worth uh, kind of tracking down these ingredients or, you know, finding some good substitutes to give this a try. Uh, we think it's definitely worth it. But now, Michaela, we have these cocktails made. They're delicious. But we better take a quick break because we have to come back and talk about its namesake, Marion Dubois. Marion Dubois. <laughs> Marion yes. du- Dubois. That's right. So why don't we take a quick break and we'll be right back to chat about this week's film, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Spoiler warning for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. If you've not yet seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, I'm really sorry, but we're (laughs) going to talk all the way about it. We're going to talk through all of the plot lines of this movie. So you should stop what you're doing. Go uh, make yourself up some gin infused beautifulness with some hibiscus and some pink peppercorns. Make a Marion's Martini. Come back and we can chat about it. 
That's right. So this movie came out in 1991. It was directed by Kevin Reynolds, uh, who is uh, most notably famous, I think, for directing Kevin Costner in a later film called Waterworld. Uh, but he directed this one. Um, and this one, as I mentioned, stars Kevin Costner. It stars Morgan Freeman, Mary Elizabeth, Master Antonio, Alan Rickman, and Christian Slater, who is a bright up-and-coming star uh, coming into this. It was like a this was like a mashup of great talents coming into this thing. And Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves was was big time. Like there was a huge marketing push for this. There was a whole oh, yeah. toy line for this. This this was a big deal in 1991. Yeah, it's a big deal. I can't believe there were toys because watching this, um, we we noticed that that it's rated PG-13. At least now it is. I don't know if it was at the time because I saw when I was looking this up on like parent, you know, parentalguide.com it was saying that it was PG, which I could not believe. Um, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, but apparently now it's rated PG 13, which makes a lot more sense, but there I mean, were toys. I mean, this came out in 1991. We were both 10 and we definitely saw it before we were 13. I can oh, guarantee I definitely it. did. Absolutely we'll, did. You know, and, and we'll talk about that after we uh, get through the movie, like we always do. Uh, but there was one other star um, from this movie and that's Brian Adams. He threw out this banger of a song, Everything I Do, I Do It For You. It was nominated for an Academy Award, but bad news, Brian Adams. Uh, Beauty and the Beast came out that year. So that got three nominations and, of course, one uh, for, for the uh, Tale as Old as Time. You, can, you can't beat Beauty and the Beast, but this song, yeah, so you know good. What, so good. This was this was every middle school dance that we went to, Brian, every single yeah, one. Every, every one. That's I right. Mean, everyone had to. You, didn't, had this you weren't really in love unless you were singing this song to some chick, right? Like, or, or, <laughs> or boy, whatever. You weren't, you yeah. weren't in love unless you were ready to die for him at the end of this, like, oh, so good. And the music video is so great. I was, I was just going to say that. Yeah, I remember I had this on VHS and the music video was on there, I think, at the end of the movie. If you watched through like all the credits, you could see the uh, music video. I did not watch through the credits to see if that was still the case on my Amazon rental of this yesterday. But, uh, but I, am, I imagine maybe it was still there. It should be still there. It it's should not be. still there. At least, at least the one that I bought, because I actually had to buy this because the only way to get it now is uh, through Amazon renting or buying or Apple or whatever, but you can't stream it anywhere, which is weird because six, seven months ago, uh, it was streaming somewhere and I was excited, but no, I, I did race to the end because I wanted to see if we could still meet Brian Adams in those woods. No, that's right. <laughs> unfortunately yeah. he's he's nowhere to be found at these end credits so no, oh well that that's right he is nowhere to be found at the end credits but let's start about the opening credits uh there is this beautiful tapestry um it is going through the list of characters that's coming in uh there is an amazing piece of cinema score going on uh michael Kamen was the composer who did the theme um he uh not a lot of credit he actually he passed away in 2003 which is you know unfortunate he was he was pretty young and i but i don't think he gets the credit uh, that is deserved because um, whether you like this movie or not, the theme from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is one of the classic all-time great movie themes, I think. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's um, the, this opening scene, the o- when they do the credits, like you say, there's this tapestry that they're doing this close-up to and you can actually see the stitches and it's really beautiful. But throughout the whole film, the score really resonates and the, I, you know, the, the horn section, mm-hmm. I'm not a music person. Like uh, I'm not classically trained in anything, but it's just the way that that 
score kind of reverberates and changes over the course of the film. It's mm-hmm. so beautiful. And um, this was one of the first films that really inspired me to look at the score soundtrack because mm-hmm. this was in the early 90s when it came out. And so while you had Brian Adams singing his love song, you also had all these really beautiful kind of vignettes of um, whether it was fighting and, you know, there was this adventure, but there's also this these tender moments and um, you see real people changing their kind of personalities over the course of the film and all of that backdrop is really beautiful. So I, I didn't know who, um, I didn't know who did the score. So that's, that's, educational for me yeah there you go there you go so it, it opens on that tapestry and then uh basically just gives you a rundown of what's going on it says 800 years ago uh we're going into the uh the crusades basically so all the the christians from europe are going down um into uh, jerusalem to fight to jerusalem east. to yeah in the middle east to fight in this holy war and that's where we uh catch up with our uh, characters so we see kevin costner's uh robin of loxley there he is in a prison there are a bunch of other uh, English guys in a prison, and there is Morgan Freeman there. He is playing a character by the name of Azim. They're there. They're cutting off the hands of the uh, the Christian infidels, as they say. Um, you know, you know, uh, not not a good look. But Robin, Robin has an idea. He's going to uh, get one up on these. He's going to uh, spring a little bit of a prison break. He frees Azim, and they are uh, going to make their way out of there and hopefully get back to England. But before they can make their full escape. The gentleman that he's with dies. Now we find out that this is Marion's brother, uh, and he has a ring to give to Robin. Says, "Take this to my sister. Protect my sister." Uh, and that's what that's what Robin is tasked with doing. Uh, him and Azim get on a boat, get back to England, and you know he's he's off to to go back to his family homestead, off to find his dad at Loxley Manor, off to find Marion. Our adventure is afoot. Absolutely, it's really a, an interesting friendship that starts to form between Azim and Robin. Um, Azim is a, a Moor, and so he is Muslim. And so at first, when they escape, he's tempted to leave him there because they have very different faiths. And when you think about the Crusades, they were fighting against these people that believed in different things. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know about you, Brian, this was the very first time I'd ever been introduced into the Muslim religion, right? This was way before September 11th. It's 1991, right? And um, could not have been played by a better character or a better actor, Azim. Azim's character is brilliant and in no small part because Morgan Freeman is also brilliant. And so he, um, because Robin Hood or Robin saves Azim's life, Azim swears a fidelity to Robin uh, to repay him by saving his life at some point. And so Mm -hmm. They travel and make the long four-month journey on a boat back to England. And uh, Robin is very excited. He really wants Azim to go home, but Azim is pretty steadfast in his uh, vow and says, I, I will, I'm going to repay this vow to you at some point. Robin says, that's fine. Let's go see my dad. You know, he's going to be so excited to see us. It's going to be so great because he's been gone for years and years and years. And um, mm-hmm. unfortunately, a lot's happened yeah. Yeah. in the five yeah. years that he's been gone. Yeah, bad news about bad news about that, uh, Robin. Uh, your dad uh, was accused of uh, witchcraft or something. Uh, he was uh, burned alive. Not a good look. Not a good look. Duncan, his servant, was blinded in this, and it's all because uh, the incoming sheriff, the sheriff of Nottingham, uh, who's played by Alan Rickman, is basically making a power move. Right, the 
crusades are going on. He's like, I can basically take over. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if his plan was to take over all of England, but at least this part of England, uh, because King Richard is gone. He's preoccupied with all this stuff. I can, I can make a play. I can take over Loxley Manor. I can take over this whole big uh, portion of the countryside. And uh, that's what he gets home to. He gets home to see his uh, family estate in ruins. Uh, his father died or his father's dead. Uh, not a good look. He tells yeah. Ian, it's going to be great. They're going to have dinner. Uh, no, no, good. Nope. no good. We're not having dinner. <laughs> We're not having dinner in this castle. So it's really tough. They, they go ahead and, and give uh, his father a proper burial. Um, they start to take care of uh, Duncan. Duncan was blinded. And so they start to look after him and Robin is really angry um, and he swears revenge. Right. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, on the way, <laughs> on the way to his house, he goes, uh, he's going through this countryside and, and this is something from the art direction. It's really beautiful. They did shoot this uh, movie on site. And so they, there's actually a very famous tree. It's called the Robin Hood tree. And it's in uh, one of these, one of these scenes where there's like a half, I don't know, maybe four foot tall wall that Robin is like walking on and he runs into the sheriff's men and they recognize, well, when they understand that it's Robin of Philoxia, they're like, oh, welcome home because they know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it already kind of sets the tone that the sheriff is, um, not, not happy about Robin coming back. Cause they thought with any luck, Robin will be killed in the crusades and no one is going to contest any of, uh, what has happened with Loxley Manor. And, um, they'll just be able to start, you know, making a play for all this land. And, um, but it doesn't go as, as, as well as it, as it could for the sheriff because Robin Hood is not going to go away. Right. So he ends up, um, trying to go see Marion and uh and return this ring and offer his protection uh poor Robin you know none of this goes the way he thinks it's gonna go <laughs> it it does not yeah so he gets to uh Marion's house he uh gets there they tell him to uh, at first they don't let him in but then you know he kind of makes his case and uh they say that he can come in you know leave your weapons so he gets there this this woman comes out uh who we later learn is not not really, Miriam. She comes out and says, uh, okay, thanks for stopping by. Uh, good to see you. Go ahead and get out of the house. And he's like, no, I, you know, I promised I was going to come and protect you. Uh, it's great to see you. Um, then someone comes and attacks Robin of Loxley, just out of nowhere. Uh, this person in a mask and a sword. Uh, it's a pretty fun little fight, actually. Uh, you know, they kind of go back and forth. Robin eventually kind of gets the upper hand uh, on this assailant, uh, knocks the mask off, and we find out that this person who is attacking him is the real Marion. The real Marion stood up with a sword, uh, you know, gets bested, but we, yeah, we get this, uh, this kind of scene now. So this, this relationship is, is rekindled and she's like, uh, you know, you used to be a jerk. You were a bully. You burned my hair. Not a nice guy. Why should I trust you now? Get out of here. And he's like, no, I'm it's, it's all good. I spent all these years in a prison, uh, during the crusades that changes a man. Trust me. I'm good to go now. Here's your ring from your brother. Um, and they have, have a little bit of, of a heart to heart, but, before they can, you know, completely rekindle or get their stories, you know, completely uh, told to one another, the sheriff's men show back up. Bad news, bad news. And how do they, how do they see it? Uh, So this is a point of contention uh, with people about this is some historical inaccuracies about this movie, um, which I think are fine because they cause great scenes to happen like this. So you have Azim, he's up on the, up on like the hill, 
uh, he's looking out with a telescope that he's just assembled out of little like leather pouch and a couple of things. Um, and he, he's looking, he sees the men coming. He hands this thing to Robin who has never used such a contraption. So he thinks that they're like inside of this little telescope, like riding at him. He's like pulling out his sword and trying to stab him. It's amazing. It's so good. It's so funny. <laughs> and Azim's like, Azim's like, what is wrong with you people? Yeah. And he calls Robin Christian, right? And so for growing up, I thought his name was Christian half the time. I was very confused. But he's mm-hmm. like, man, mm-hmm. you guys are stupid. <laughs> you know? Like this is this is not that difficult. But Azim, once again, he doesn't really save his life at this point, but he kind of does because he can see things far off, right? Azim mm-hmm. is this great bringer of science to these Western Christians, right? Um, right. Because he's like, this is how this works. Anyway, so they make their escape. It's really fun. Um, Robin and Azim kind of, they go off into the woods um, and the sheriff's men follow them to a certain point and then stop because they're like, the woods are haunted. I'm not going in there. Um, And then of course, you know, Duncan is in the group with Robin Hood and he's like, hey, we shouldn't be in here. The woods are haunted. And he's like, no, 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 man, we don't have a choice. So they're going through the woods and um, and they do find ghosts or, uh, you know, uh, things that are hanging from the trees that are making noises that are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, creating kind of this chiming sound that sounds really weird. And so he says, oh, you know, it, there's no ghosts. It's fine. But as he's crossing a river, he ends up, uh, Robin ends up getting uh, kind of bested by uh, a man named John and his his crew of his crew of men. Yeah, jo- <laughs> John Little. John, John Little. Little, that's right. And so they have this really cool like battle because Robin's father's uh, cross is made out of solid gold because he was a rich man, right? He was a lord and they mm-hmm. really want that cross. And he says, I'm not giving it to you. You're going to have to fight me for it. And so they have this really cool like fight with bows, you know, like, yeah. and yeah. on top of yeah. this ridge, again, cinematography is really great because the, the places in which they shoot are just gorgeous. Yeah, it's beautiful. They're, uh, yeah, they're having this kind of kind of little duel a uh, little show of uh, sportsmanship here um, in this river. And it, it looks really cool. And like I said, we, we meet uh, John Little, uh, a.k.a. Little John, and kind of this merry band, including Will Scarlet, who uh, is, you know, kind of quick to definitely uh, give a raz at Robin um, and looks disgusted, you know, kind of after this confrontation when they decide to take Robin in and take them back to their camp because uh, this group of people, they're all, you know, kind of wanted criminals. They've been accused of stealing, uh, you know, things by the sheriff of Nottingham, uh, who's not a good dude. And they're like, you know, we're just trying to, trying to get by. He's coming in, he's taking all of our, all of our money, he's taking all of our food. We're just stealing because we need to, to survive. Um, And Robin's like, you know, that's not right. Uh, Obviously he, he just took my house, you know, burned my dad. That's not great. Blinded Duncan. Uh, That's not great. But he also, you know, is doing this to everyone, you know, not just him, not just the rich, not just the rich guy. He's doing it to like everyone in the, in the whole town. So, and we find out why a little bit later, because as they, they kind of gang up, you get like this awesome, like set of like montage kind of thing where they're doing like robbing from the rich and giving to the poor. Um, and that's all really great. But we find out that he's collecting all this treasure. The sheriff is, uh, because basically he's trying to bribe like other like towns and stuff to rise up against King Richard, uh, that's right. you know, during the crusades so they can, you know, kind of overthrow him and, uh, take over the country. That's why he's trying to accumulate all of this wealth. And Robin, Robin Hood now is, you know, he's really, uh, 
put a uh, put a uh, fork in that plan by you know <laughs> yeah. steal, stealing from the rich and giving it back to the poor. That's right. And so, you know, the sheriff has a cousin who was one of the men that Robin uh, and Azim meet at the very beginning when they're mm-hmm. in England mm-hmm. and when they first get to England. And uh, he's really trying. He has tons of people. Uh, you know, kind of his brute squad kind of walk through the uh, Sherwood Forest. They always get caught. They always end up getting uh, hurt. And, you know, the Sheriff of Nottingham has no patience for any of this, right? He has a destiny. Um, It's also important to note, there's definitely some Satanism or some very weird, weird non-Christian religion that's also not Muslim. It's it's like super evil. He's got this witch lady, uh, Moriana, I think is her name. And I'd completely forgotten about her. And she's so gross. And I was so so grossed out by her by when I was a little kid. She's got like a like she's wearing like a contact or something, but it makes her eye like completely white with just a little tiny people in it. So gross. Yeah, it's so weird. But she's like, you know, there's this great scene um, where he's like, what's the future? Because apparently she can read runes and stuff, but she opens up this egg. It looks like an ostrich egg, but it's filled with blood. It's totally disgusting. So whoever yeah. made that decision, great job, because I'm still, I still don't understand how you did it. It's, it's mm-hmm, amazing. Mm-hmm. But she opens up this thing of blood and she reads these runes and she's like, ah, oh, you know, we're going to die. I see it. I see it. Um, there's this painted man who's going to come and kill us all. You have to rise up now. You know, you have to figure out a way to get your blood on the throne. Like we, we have to move quickly. And so she's kind of his advisor. And, you know, she, when he goes to her and says, I, I'm still having trouble putting down Robin Hood. He still lives and he's giving all this money to all of these poor people. And so they're not willing to turn him in. It doesn't matter how many you know, hundred gold crowns we put on his head, like they won't ever turn him in. And she mm-hmm. says, you know what? Go find the Celts. <laughs> they, uh, they, they are mercenaries from the North. Go grab them, pay them, and then have them go in to the forest that no one will go in. And I guarantee that'll work. And so he's trying to figure out how to make that happen. In the meantime, Robin has tried to enlist the help uh, from Maid Marian and uh, asked her to um, what, what was yeah, the whole see, point of going? I'm trying to remember because there's the scene where he like covers himself. Yeah, in- yeah that's right. He, he goes into uh, he goes into the church, right? He needs to meet up with Marion because they need a plan, right? He's trying to he's trying to overthrow the king. Um, and Marion is the king's cousin. So he's like, what we need to do is we need to send word to the king. The bad stuff is afoot. So I need you to uh, basically send send a letter. Um, and she sends, uh, I don't really know what she is in relation to to Marion, but um, but she sends her uh, friend, companion, her sister, handmaid. I don't, her handmaid, uh, her handmaid with, with a letter to, to the king to go and, you know, to warn him about this. But bad news is that uh, she gets betrayed. Sheriff finds out that they're sending this letter. And that's not good for Marion. That's not good for Robin Hood. That's not good for anyone. Yeah. No, it's it's really... So... But I I don't remember. So there's a scene where Robin and Marion are at the church because Robin mm-hmm. actually... Robin is actually trying to talk to the archbishop because the he thought that the archbishop was his father's friend and would have... Um, gone to his father's aid and the archbishop turns around and basically says nope 
your father absolutely did witchcraft. He was a Satan worshiper and he, you know, he confessed. And so this is totally right that the land has been forfeit. And so we realize then that the archbishop is in cahoots with the sheriff of Nottingham, who's also kind of the Satan worshiper. It's kind of weird, but he sees Marion that he tries to have a conversation with her and the sheriff kind of busts in. And that's when the first time that the sheriff of Nottingham and Robin Hood meet and Robin Hood cuts him on his cheek. And that's a huge thing because the sheriff of Nottingham is very vain. Um, and he was like, nope, I'm going to destroy this person. So then it's become super personal. In the meantime, Marianne and her handmaid, they go and try and find Robin Hood in the woods. And it's one of my favorite scenes because it really shows the work over the last weeks or months that has been done by mm -hmm. Robin Hood and his merry men, right? They show some of the inventions that Azim has shown them. You know, they've got this kind of uh, pulley that's distributing water. They've got this whole like treed tree house this, yeah this whole tree this top family town. robinson kind of life going on yeah they have they have like actual like it's like a little village in the woods they have set up right so so robin has kind of gotten everyone together and on the on the same page so to speak and they're they're off they're collecting all of these treasures and he shows marion uh the treasure and that's when he tells her of the plan to overthrow the king he's like right. you know you think I'm just stealing all of this gold for myself. I'm not doing that. I'm stealing it because we need it because this gold was going to bribe other, you know, wealthy elites to overthrow the king. And, you know, we're trying to trying to prevent that from happening. So, you know, Mary and him kind of form an alliance. They're going to try to get word back to the king. Uh, but that doesn't that doesn't really go that well, because uh, like I said, the sheriff finds finds this plan out he finds out that they're in cahoots he finds out that you know that's why he's stealing the gold so what's he going to do uh what do you what do you do if you're the sheriff of nottingham if you're alan rickman and you are completely unhinged uh which is which is amazing it's so much fun to watch uh but he's going to go and abduct marion he takes her uh you know throws her in prison uh he gets uh duncan is there uh he sees or he's witness to this event happening uh, so Duncan rides off into the woods. He's, uh, it's, it's really great. Duncan climbs up on this horse and he's like, I'm going to need your eyes. Rolling the horse rides into, into Sherwood forest back to, uh, Robin to, you know, tell him that Marion's been, uh, kidnapped, have been abducted. And, you know, that the sheriff knows that the plan, uh, what their plan was. Right. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, Duncan might've led the sheriff in this Celtic, uh, warrior band of warriors, mercenaries, uh, right to the doorstep right. of, of uh, Sherwood Forest. That's right. And what ensues is this epic battle. The editing in this is really great, this particular scene, because it really shows kind of the barbaricness of the war of that time without being mm -hmm. so incredibly graphic that um, it's rated R. So you see a lot of things where there's arrows and then there's flaming arrows. And of course they're like, set the whole thing on fire. Right. And mm -hmm. the sheriff is watching it while he's like picking his teeth. It's so disgusting. He's so gross. Um, but he, he's not worried at all or, or upset at all that there are children in these tree houses and they all have to be saved. And um, Friar Tuck is there. Friar Tuck is a great character. I, um, there, there's a vignette about him uh, a little bit earlier in the film, but he ends up kind of taking as many of the children as he can and mm -hmm. kind of running away. But a few of them go ahead and get captured. Um, uh, one of which is John, little John's 
son, little John's son gets captured. His name is Wolf. And he is put with all the men because he's like 10, 11 years old and can fight. And so, you know, there's this really tough uh, moment where you, you don't, there's been a lot of losses with Robin Hood and his merry man. Robin Hood um, seems to disappear. People think that he's dead. Um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of fire, and so it's a moment where you're not sure how they're going to regroup from this. Duncan passes away as well. I don't know if he was killed or if he just um, his failing health over the course of the film. But the mm -hmm. last thing he did was try to do something good, and it's so tough. Um, because you love Duncan, but he just, he didn't, he didn't, he couldn't see that maybe he was being followed. And right. It's really yeah. tough. Yeah. So they have this, they have this fight. The sheriff of Nottingham gets his uh, prisoners, which was what he was after because he thinks that will probably draw Robin Hood out of, out of his hiding. He gets 10 of them. As you mentioned, Wolf, they also capture Will Scarlet and a couple of other people. And then that's going to kind of set up the big end piece. Right. So we have we have these captives. Will Scarlet's like, uh, listen, Sheriff, I don't really like Robin Hood. I think he's arrogant. I think he's a jerk. I will definitely go and find him, and I will tell you whether he's dead or if he's not dead, I will tell you where to go find him. So uh, so the Sheriff agrees. He's going to let Will go, uh, going to see if he can uh, set a, a little bit of an extra trap for him, and Will goes back to Sherwood Forest. He finds Robin Hood and bum bum bombshell. Uh, Will Scarlet, Robin Hood, brothers. Who knew it? Will knew it. Robin didn't know it, but now he knows it. Family reunion, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that sets this film apart is, besides it being like really strong action sequences, it's got really great character development. So you you really understand over the course of the film how much of a jerk Robin was growing up. He was a rich, entitled, arrogant boy. And, mm -hmm. you know, his mother died and his father took up with a peasant woman after that. And he never forgave his father for doing that. He, 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 he was like, that's a betrayal to my mother's memory. And so the, the, the Lord of Loxley uh, ended up giving up this woman. Well, the problem was the woman was pregnant and um, that boy would, would have been another uh, Lord, right? Uh, if they'd, he'd been allowed to do so, but he wasn't. And so mm -hmm. his life was basically ruined because Robin couldn't get over the fact that his dad, you know, was allowed to meet somebody new after his mother passed. So there's all this, you know, it, you, you get the idea that he's really has changed due to all the horrible things that he saw in the crusades. And then what's, what's happening with him and his, his friend Azim, um, mm -hmm. you know, he stands up for Azim being a Muslim and a quote unquote infidel in this entire uh, movie. Right. He's like, mm -hmm. he, he's, he is my friend and you will treat him with respect. And Azim, you know, at the same time is saving all of these people through his knowledge of science and the way right. that he knows, you know, how to fight. And so it's interesting to see that characterization um, because I don't think you see that in a lot of other Robin Hood uh, movies or yeah. the stories, right? My uh, my favorite part about Will telling uh, Robin that that they're brothers is that like everyone else who has survived this attack is like standing around watching it. And then they're all like, Oh, this is awkward familyness. <laughs> it's, right. uh, it's, it's really pretty great, but, but yeah, he's back. <laughs> they are, they are reunited. Um, and now the plan is coming together. They have this really cool scene where they have like little, little like sticks and stuff like representing the little like town square where these hangings are going to be happening. 
Um, and they're setting up the plan for how they're going to get into this thing, uh, rescue the people, uh, get everyone out of there. Uh, the, the plan has been hatched. So they go, um, but quickly the plan is very foiled. So uh, it turns out that, uh, you know, Wolf thinks that Will Scarlet was a traitor. He sees them in the crowd as they're going up to the gallows uh, for their hanging. And, you know, they start to fight. Sheriff sees them. Uh, you know, Will, Will says, you know, he found Robin. He was dead. Uh, didn't see his body. Saw a grave. And the sheriff's like, mm, not good enough, dude. Uh, get up there. Uh, we're going to hang you too. Um, so, you know, the, the plan has been, uh, you know, thrown amok. But luckily, Robin can think quick on his feet. He's very good with his bow and arrow, as we know. Uh, he shoots down uh, Wolf, who is the first one to, uh, to be dropped. You know, rescues him, uh, rescues everyone, rescues Will, uh, gets there, and the battle is on. It's amazing. This set piece is so much fun. They're like, stuff's blown up because Azim knows about gunpowder. Um, they have flaming arrows they're, they're shooting. Uh, there is a really awesome, uh, probably, probably the most iconic, I guess, image from this happens here where it's uh, Robin Hood with the flaming arrow. There's like an explosion going on behind him and he's shooting the uh, executioner like dead in the forehead. Uh, that's right. That's, that's pretty great. That's uh, but pretty he hears Marion start screaming because she's up there. She's supposed to be wed to the sheriff of Nottingham uh, against her will. Uh, she has an amazing scream. Uh, very high quality movie screen. Yes. Mary oh, yeah. does. So, yeah. so she yells, Robin gives chase um, and, and it's on, it's very princess bride, like uh, going, yeah. going forward. There's a catapult in there somewhere. Uh, that's right. And that's there's, right. A, there's a scene F, where Azim, F me, like, they cleared it. That's, that's right. I don't know if he's going to make it. Um, they definitely have a moment where Azim is like up on the side of this castle and he's like, Hey, I, I'm an infidel, but I fight for Robin Hood and you guys can all fight together. And, you know, you know, they have all these extra swords that they give out to the peasants and the peasants kind of rise up against um, all of the all of the sheriff's men. It's really great. And um, yeah, Robin does end up clearing uh, over this wall, which is amazing. Science is really great. Once again, Azim, thank you so much, because without him, this would have never happened. But he goes through like this window and can we just talk a little bit about this wedding? Because the archbishop guy, okay, he's he is the one who's officiating this wedding and they have to get married. The, the witch lady is there and the witch lady is like, look, you got to get married and you got to impregnate her like immediately. You got to do this now. And so yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it's so important to the sheriff that they get married first. Cause he's like, I want to have something pure. And <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> he's basically assaulting her. It's not funny, <laughs> but it's, it, it's, it's just really interesting. So then they, they have to find a place to have the ceremony and where should they find it? Why in the upside down crucifixion room, let's go there. And so they go to this tower and the archbishop is like, sweet mother Mary, what has happened? <laughs> Cause he doesn't know that this has happened. He didn't know this witch existed. And he's like, what have I gotten myself into? And it's really bad. Anyway. Um, he's like, trying to marry them she's screaming that she does not give consent to anything that is happening and robin hood jumps in and you know comes in and the you know the witch starts to fight with azim and the archbishop guy disappears because he's going to go and try and collect some money and then get the heck out of there and so it is down to robin and the sheriff at last that's right that's right yeah uh you got the couple of battles going on azim you know eventually gets the uh the one up kind of on the 
on the witch there. Uh, you have Friar Tuck goes and uh, faces off against the bishop, which is one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. Friar Tuck goes in, he's just kind of, you know, he's basically like throwing these big sacks of gold and silver at the at the bishop, you know, you know, saying that, you know, this is what this is what you've done. You've sold your soul, um, you know, and eventually kind of pushes him out this window, which is which is amazing. And then, yeah, obviously the the final confrontation there uh, with Robin and the sheriff of Nottingham. They have a really good sword fight. It's really fun. Like I said, it's very reminiscent to me of Princess Bride and the way that that was shot. Um, they kind of have this back and forth. Um, but eventually, obviously, Robin gets the upper hand, takes Sheriff Nottingham down and him and Marion are free to go about their business. But before they are completely safe, the witch busts back in with this like crazy like spear like halfway through her. But Hazim busts down the door, throws his giant sword. Uh, it goes right into her stomach. It makes this super gross sound as it's like swinging back and forth. Uh, it's disgusting. The witch is so gross. I hate her. Um, but yeah, every everything <laughs> is everything is happy. Uh, his his uh, his pledge to save Robin's life that has been fulfilled. Uh, they can just go about being friends. He doesn't have to know be a, a servant to robin's well-being i guess i guess anymore um right. and and the final part of of the movie is is true love brian adams uh, his his love song is is finally coming to fruition robin and marion are in the woods it is gorgeous some good job whoever was doing the set decorating here uh making this wedding i know this is probably your favorite part of the movie michaela because you love love <laughs> and you love weddings uh you probably cry for sure but there's an objection there's an objection to the wedding that's who right would object who would object to such a beautiful tale of love king richard by golly <laughs> King Richard. He's the king, I guess. He, he can object <laughs> he can, to whatever he, can do he wants. Anything he wants. So. But he has he only has an objection because he wants to be the one to give the bride away, which is actually really beautiful. Um yeah. King Richard played by the amazing Sean Connery. I mean, who who mm-hmm. else could be a king? He's so perfect. It's his <laughs> voice, the richness of which of, with which he talks and this he's he's in this movie maybe three and a half minutes max. And it's so, oh no way no way that long. I mean, it's like, okay, tw- it's like seven and a half seconds. seconds. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not a long time. But he um, he's there to give uh, Marion away. He's like, you look radiant, cousin. I mean, the way he does it is so beautiful. And they're they're there. Friar Tuck is there uh, officiating the ceremony. There's beautiful light through the trees it's autumn and so i don't know how they did this i don't know how they did this brian but a wedding a wedding coordinator needs to figure this out because they they wistfully have like these beautiful leaves that are gold and red kind of falling through the trees and it's just everything's gorgeous she's wearing this crown of like of of real flowers it's it's Mm -hmm, amazing mm -hmm. and so they kiss they're pronounced husband and wife uh, Azim is there in his uh, in his best. He's got this beautiful like uh, crown on with with a. Uh, he just he looks very regal. Everyone there is so happy, mm-hmm. and it's time to party. And so they they kiss Maid Marian and Robin Hood kiss, and they live happily ever after. And then we have everything I do. That's right. Do yeah. it for you. So the so the movie actually <laughs> the movie actually ends with Friar Tuck being like, uh, "All right, that's enough of that. It's time to go celebrate." Because uh, Friar Tuck is all about his drink. Um, Sean Connery is not credited for being in this film. 
uh, because of course he was only in it for so long. I like to imagine that Sean Connery was supposed to be going to like another movie set and went to the wrong one. He was just rolling through like in King regalia and they're like, Hey, could you just uh, say this line real quick? And that's, that's how it came to being, but yeah, it's, it's maybe he was prepping for first night, you know? Oh, that 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 came out a couple of years later. Yeah. He was just, He was just doing uh, like some costume tests. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, But that's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Like we mentioned, this was a big deal uh, when it when it came out. Um, The reviews have always kind of been kind of kind of spotty on this hot and cold. But but yeah, definitely a big deal. This thing made like over four hundred thousand or four hundred million dollars, which is really good, especially in 1991 bucks. Um, There was huge marketing for it. I, I think like McDonald's did like a big. Uh, toy promotion for it. There were obviously then the the toy line for it. The Brian Adams song was everywhere. Um, you couldn't get away from it. Uh, Michaela and I got to enjoy that through all of our middle school dances, like she'd said earlier. But yeah, this this is a this is a fun movie. Uh, whether it's historically accurate or not, it is still a good time and a fun time. And it's a great collection of uh, actors, and that's always fun when you do uh, big pieces like this, especially when they they look this good. So Michaela, the year was 1991. Like I mentioned, we were nine, 10, depending on uh, when exactly in the year this came out. But when did you see this? Did you go and see this at the movie theater or did you watch it 10 trillion times on VHS like I did? Probably uh, the latter, uh, because I don't think I would have seen it in the theater. I think my dad would have probably not taken me to see it, but I definitely watched it a bunch of times on VHS. Um, I, this was the, this was my quintessential Robin Hood movie, right? Mm -hmm. That I grew up with. I mean, it was this and the Disney version. Now there's 357 other versions out there and I'm sure they're all wonderful, but this one is for me, the one that is most nostalgic uh, for my youth. That is, that was not, you know, the Disney cartoon (laughs) Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. Robin Hood is a fox. Okay. So for, for human, for human live action film, this is definitely the one that I watched the most and, and I have a lot of nostalgic love for it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same. Um, and you, you mentioned the Disney version and, and, you know, obviously that's probably the one that, that most people are the most familiar with and watching this back again, as an adult, you can see like the inspiration that they took from the cartoon, which yeah. I think is what, which, which I think is kind of fun. Um, but yeah, this was, this was a VHS that I, that I had. So I watched it a lot of times. Like if I was pressed, I could probably remember all the VHS tapes that I had when, when I was a, when I was a little kid, just based on the uh, number of times that I've seen things. But yeah, this movie's always stood out as something that's just been, it's been fun. And the, the story is good enough and the acting is great. And the set pieces are, are really fantastic. It's a lot of fun adventure um, and just a really good time. And uh, I haven't watched this in a long time. I've probably not watched this in 20 years, maybe. So it was a it was a trip going back to uh, to revisit it, you know, because I I probably watched it like a hundred times, you know, growing yeah. up as a, as a child, and then you know to have that lengthy layoff and you know just getting the same feelings and remembering you know all those lines and and the way that you felt like when you were a kid when you were watching it. Like I said, I I had completely forgotten about the witch, and then like he's going to see her the first time. I'm like oh yeah, she's super creepy. I hate this lady. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, she's awful. And just, I love though, some of the things that this film did that other versions of Robin Hood did not do. First of all, it again, show the character development and the change in Robin Hood. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And the relationship and the friendship that he has with Azim and the way Azim behaves in 
an environment where people are basically racist to him, right? Because mm-hmm. he believes in a different God. He looks different. He dresses different. He doesn't, you know, they drink beer. He doesn't drink any sort of alcohol, that sort of thing. Like there's some really beautiful scenes. And one of my favorite is when little John's wife is giving birth and she's having problems. Um, the baby hasn't turned mm-hmm. and he's like, I, I, I I, I, I got this. I think I can, I think I can help figure this out. And you don't know exactly what's happening because it is not, uh, it is PG 13 and not rated R, but you know, that it's not, whatever's going to happen, there's going to be a needle and thread and it's going to be yucky. And, um, but the, the Friar Tuck is in the room at that point. Um, and he is telling them that this, this Azim is going to kill her, that he's, uh, you know, basically an infidel and a witch and he's, uh, you know, from the devil and Azim just ignores him completely. And they go ahead and take the chance and trust Azim, um, Mm -hmm. who understands a lot about science. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's a good idea. And it ends up being okay. The baby is born and healthy and the mom is alive and healthy. And my favorite, it's one of my favorite scenes, Friar Tuck gives this really impassioned apology to Azim Mm -hmm. and says, you know, I might think I'm godly, but I am definitely not worldly. And I'm, I'm really sorry. Will you please accept my forgiveness? And Azim does. And, you know, again, I was 10, 11 years old, maybe first time I ever saw this film. Um, And that really helped me uh, grow up a little bit. That was, that's a, a learning that I take with me. Number one, that, you know, just because someone doesn't believe or look or, or do behave the way that I do and my family does, doesn't make them any less wonderful and great. And if you're sorry, you should apologize impassionately about it <laughs> because <laughs> it seemed to work for Friar Tuck. So I don't know. I, it's, it, the more I, I, I haven't seen this film in a, gosh, maybe a year, but, um, that's probably my favorite lesson out of the whole thing is. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely a good part and definitely a highlight. And I love uh, uh, Michael McShane, I think is who played Friar Tuck, does an excellent job. Um, so yeah, at home, uh, if you're listening with us, let us know uh, if you prefer Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, or if you have a different favorite Robin Hood, let us know that, or let us know, you know, if you watch this 10 trillion times, uh, on home video, like Michaela and I both did. Let us know. Let us know if you make up a Marion's martini to have while you're watching uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Let us know and take pictures of it because because it is pink and very beautiful looking. And uh, basically, if your cocktail is pink, send a picture to Michaela because she wants to see it. So uh, yeah, I do. You know, let us know that. Let us uh, let us see pictures of your stuff and uh, do that. You can tag us on Instagram and Twitter. It's at drink the movies and on facebook.com slash drink the movies. If you want to see pictures of our cocktail or the infusion that we made, or, um, you know, get the written recipe episode recaps, all that stuff. You can do that on our website, which is www.drinkthemovies.com. And, you know, if, if you're inclined to steal from the rich and give to the poor, what we would appreciate is if you would go and give us a five-star review, uh, Michaela, where should they go to that? You can do that on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere where Anchor Podcasts are distributed. We do two drops a week. Um, They're both really fun. And if you love what you're hearing, please subscribe. Please leave us a five-star review. It really helps us get the drink the movies out there and spread the movie cocktail love. That's right. That's right. So with that in mind, Michaela, I think we better whip up at least one more of these Marion's martinis. Uh, You know, we are, our hearts are full of love now. They're full of helping, helping the poor. They're 
they're full of Robin Hood goodness. So why don't we make up another martini and we will take a break and pick another movie and talk to everyone next time on Drink, Drink the Movies. The Movies. Why a spoon, cousin? Why not an axe? It's a spoon. It'll hurt more.